Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. We will, Acts chapter 2. For now, we're going to read verses 1 through 12, and then we'll pick up some other verses along the way. The scripture says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues or flames of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. How many people began to speak in other tongues? All of them. Amen. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, it was a noisy bunch. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderness, bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are all, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that, we, that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts of Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue or own languages. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Why are they doing this? And today I want to focus on that question in verse 12, what does this mean? Because the major part of the rest of Acts chapter 2 is focused on answering that question. And I believe it's a question that we need to ask. Much of the meaning and significance of Pentecost can be learned and understood simply by looking at the results of the coming of the Holy Spirit. The results of Pentecost reveal to us the purpose of the power of the Spirit and why we need it in our lives and in our midst today. Now, there are many purposes, but there are a couple that we're going to focus in on today. And as we move through the series, we will see some more of the purposes of the Holy Spirit. But the first thing I want us to see is that the baptism in the Holy Spirit brings certainty to the lives of believers. The baptism of the Holy Spirit brings certainty to the lives of believers. The baptism of the Holy Spirit brings a certainty concerning the Word of God. The 120 now knew with absolute certainty that God's Word was true. That God's Word was true. Peter declares this in verses 16 and 17. He says, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Peter is saying, this is the fulfillment of God's word. God's word is true. His promises are unfailing. God kept his promise and has done exactly what he said he would do. You see, the outpouring of the spirit on Pentecost enabled the disciples to experience the word of God as a living reality in their life. The coming of the Spirit had been prophesied hundreds of years before. Jesus promised them that he would pray the Father to send the Spirit, and he told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father that they might be endued with power from on high. And at Pentecost, these 
prophecies were fulfilled, Jesus' promise was kept, and the word of God became a living reality in their lives. God's word is not just so many letters printed on a page, amen? God's word is alive, and it is powerful, and it is something that we need to experience, not just something we read and believe, amen? God wants his word to be a living reality in our life. It's not the same to hear or learn a truth as it is to experience it. We can be taught many doctrines. We can believe those doctrines in our mind. But it's not until we experience it that it becomes a living reality in our lives. Many years ago when I had a secular job at a bank and whenever I worked a secular job, I always asked God to give me uh, souls for my labor. And God was faithful that everywhere I worked before I went full-time in ministry, there was always a harvest of souls. There was one lady I was ministering to at this particular job that uh, she came from a Roman Catholic background. She had been in an abusive relationship, very broken woman. She came to Christ. She was still kind of anchored in the Catholic church even though she, she didn't understand a lot of what was going on. But she made me know that even though she accepted Christ and what have you, she was going to remain Catholic. And I remember it was coming up on Pentecost Sunday uh, at the church that I was uh, serving in Miami. And the Lord put it on my heart to invite her to the Pentecost service. And, um, you know, you have one of those little arguments with God that you sometimes have. And I'm like, God... Uh, you can't possibly be telling me to do this because she's very adamant that she's Catholic and she's not leaving the Catholic church and she doesn't want to come to a Pentecostal church and what have you. But it was just so strong in my heart that the next week when I went to work, I said, you know, this coming Sunday is a special Sunday. And I explained to her what it was. And I said, you know, um, I just wanted to invite you if, you if you would like to come to church with me. And she said, oh, sure, I'd love it. <laughs> Whenever God tells you something, listen, because God knows what he's doing. So anyway, you know, because of her brokenness, she always questioned whether or not God loved her and she didn't feel worthy. In her. But she came to church that Sunday morning and when the altar call was given for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, she went forward. And uh, we were praying for people uh, at the altar and I came over, I was praying for her. There was a couple other ladies with me that were praying for her and she got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And it was like you took the cap off of a fire hydrant, amen? And she just began speaking in other tongues. And when she realized what happened, she grabbed me and the two other ladies that were praying with her, and she got us in a bear hug by the neck. And she started saying, it's true. He's real. And he loves me. He loves me. Amen. And I was like, that's nice, but you're suffocating us. Can you let us go? But what happened is that the word of God became a living reality to her in that moment. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, we can hear the good news of Jesus many times, but it is not until by faith we pray and receive him as our Savior that we experience the glorious wonder of having the burden of our sins lifted and becoming a new creation in Christ. Something happens inside of us and salvation becomes a living reality to us. Amen? John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life, to know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. It didn't say this is eternal life to know John 3.16 and be able to quote it. No, eternal life is knowing a person. It is having a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Eternal life is a living reality that we experience. Amen. Hallelujah. Paul said this. He said, I know whom I have believed. Paul didn't say I know what I've believed. 
even though he knew what he believed because he taught it to all of us, but he said, I know whom I have believed. It's about a relationship. It's a living reality with God. Amen? And Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5, and he said, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul said, you know what? I came and I preached to you, but I didn't just want to use persuasive words that would convince you in your mind to believe certain things, but I came not only with the preaching of the Word, but in power and demonstration of the Spirit so that you could experience the reality of what I was preaching. Amen? Because God's kingdom is not a kingdom in word only. It is a kingdom in power and in demonstration hallelujah the word of God is living and powerful the Bible is not a history book of some ancient people now I remember when I was being raised I was raised Catholic and I was in Catholic school and we had to take religion and I'm not knocking any denomination or any church we had to take religion class but I didn't know Jesus I hated religion class it was really Bible class but the Bible was like a history book and we were studying it like it was a textbook for any other class that we were taking. And I never did like uh, history at that time. Later on, I learned to love history because I understood its relationship to the Bible. But at that time, it was just like, you know, a burden to be in this class. Why? Because I didn't know the author of the book. I, I didn't have a relationship with God. Amen. But after I came to Christ, the word of God became alive unto me. And I began to read it. And I began to memorize it. And like the prophet said, I began to eat it. Hallelujah. And it was sweet like honey. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, from the beginning of time, God came down to meet his people and to speak to, to us and to make himself powerfully known in our lives. He came to Adam and Eve in the garden. He came to Abraham at an altar. He came to Moses and the people of Israel at Mount Sinai and he spoke to them and he made himself known. He manifest or revealed himself to them. You see, this book, the Bible, is all about a living God who wants to be known and experienced in our life. He wants to powerfully come to us and transform our lives. Hallelujah. So Peter stands after having been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Peter stands and he says, this is that. Peter had experienced the reality of the word of God. And suddenly this Peter who always seemed to be on a different page from Jesus. If you read through the Bible, uh, through the Gospels, uh, and you get to portions that talk about Peter, it's almost like a comedy. Because Jesus says one thing and Peter contradicts him. Because he never seemed to be on the same page. He never seemed to understand and, and, and many times doubted. But when Jesus told his disciples he was going to Jerusalem to suffer and die, Peter said, not so, Lord, we won't allow it to happen. And he tried to stop Jesus from fulfilling his God-given mission. The same Peter had heard the testimony of the women returning from the empty tomb and saying he is risen just as he said. But Peter did not believe it. And he ran with John to the tomb. And the scripture says in John 29, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So Peter still has all of this misunderstanding about scripture, this lack of knowledge, this questioning. And the same Peter 
the same Peter now stands of the, on the day of Pentecost and he declares this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel and he began to preach about Jesus death and resurrection and all of a sudden the Old Testament scripture was enlightened to him it illuminated to him and it came alive to him and he began to preach from Old Testament scriptures to say Jesus did this Jesus fulfilled this hallelujah there was a certainty about the word of God in Peter's life that came through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus referred to the promised Holy Spirit in John 16 as the spirit of truth who will teach you all things, who will take what is mine and he will make it known unto you and he will glorify me. He said, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will lead you into all truth. He will take what is mine meaning he will reveal Christ and, and the will of God to us. The experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit gives us a revelation of God, an illumination of God's revelation that we cannot otherwise have. It gives us a confident faith, a certainty in the Word of God because the Word of God becomes an experienced reality to us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit also gives us a certainty concerning the Son of God. Peter went on to say in his sermon that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit meant that this same Jesus whom you crucified has risen from the dead and is exalted to the right hand of the Father and has now poured forth this which you see and hear. He is saying Jesus is alive. Even though you killed him, he is alive. And he is at the right hand of the Father. And the proof that he's alive is that he is fulfilling his promise from the other side of the grave. This is proof positive, Peter says, that he is alive. Hallelujah. Now, this is the same Peter who just days before, after, uh, 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 after the arrest of Jesus, denied Jesus three times. And said, I don't even know him. This is the same Peter who after the death and burial of Jesus was ready to give it all up and go back fishing. Yeah. Amen. Ready to return to the life that he had before Jesus. He figured it's all over with. That's the end. This was just some kind of fairy tale. And, and it's done. Wow. But now... With the baptism in the Holy Ghost, he has an unquestionable certainty about who Jesus is and that Jesus died and rose again and is at the right hand of the Father. And he declares with confidence, this same Jesus whom you killed, he is alive because he is God and he is ruling and reigning in majesty. Hallelujah. What a turnaround. What a turnaround from a man who denied Jesus three times the night of his arrest. And now he says, this Jesus whom you killed, he has risen from the dead. Once you have experienced the power of the living God, once you've experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you will have an absolute certainty that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is all-powerful, that he is present, and that he is at work right here, right now. Hallelujah. There's an old song that says, he lives, he lives, my Jesus lives today. You ask me how, I know he lives. He lives within my heart. 
Oh, and through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus comes and he fills our heart. And he comes and shows us that he's living and he's ruling and he's reigning in majesty. Hallelujah. The baptism of the Holy Spirit also confirms our commitment to Christ. In chapter 2, verse 14 of Acts, it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven. You say, what, do, what is so important about that, Pastor Maria? This is the same Peter who cowered in fear days before when a little servant girl asked him, Aren't you one of Jesus' followers? This is the same Peter and the same group of disciples that fled in the garden the night of Jesus' arrest. This is the same group who after Jesus' death went and hid behind closed doors. But now they stand up in the midst of the same city before the same crowd in the same circumstances that just days before had threatened their life. But when the Holy Spirit comes down, the church stands up. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. The coming of the Holy Spirit in our lives enables us to stand up and stand firm in our faith. It enables us to stand unwavering in our commitment to Jesus despite the pressures and opposition that the world may bring against us. The coming of the Holy Spirit emboldens us to rise up and testify of Christ to a lost and dying world. Folks, if we ever needed the power of the Holy Spirit that we might stand firm in our faith and stand up for Jesus, if we ever needed that unwavering commitment to live for God and live in righteousness and holiness, it is now. Why? Because we are facing the unceasing hostility of a society which in great part is aimed at attacking Christians, Christian faith, Christian morality, and faith in God. And in addition to that, Our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors, they are lost. The time is short, and they need to hear the gospel in these last days. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to stand up for Jesus. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. The baptism in the Holy Spirit also confirms our testimony to the world. Acts 2.33, now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. The supernatural manifestation of the Spirit captured the attention of the crowd. That's why the crowd all gathered to ask, what does this mean? It was the supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit that drew their attention. Now, there were some that mocked, okay? There were some that said, oh, these people, they're just drunk. But there were some that earnestly wanted to know, what does this mean? Folks, when God manifests himself, not everybody's gonna immediately jump on board. And some people make fun. Some people mock. Some people come in here and they'll hear people speaking in tongues or responding to God in different ways. And they may mock, they may make fun, they may leave. That's okay. It happened on the day of Pentecost. 
But there are other people who will say there is something in this place that is different. I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know why I feel goosebumps. I don't know why I feel this pee. But I know there's something in this place that is different. And I want to know what it is. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. You see, on the day of Pentecost, it was what they saw and what they heard that attracted their attention and it confirmed that Jesus was indeed who he said he was, the risen Lord and Savior who had now fulfilled his promise from the other side of the grave. And because this supernatural manifestation convicted them, the Bible says they were cut to heart. They were cut to heart and they asked, what must we do to be saved? You see, where the presence of God is, it's going to bring conviction in the lives of unbelievers. I want you to understand something that we often skip over when reading the scripture, but 1 Corinthians 14.22 says, Tongues is a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Come on now. Tongues is a means that God is using to make himself known to unbelievers. When you talk about a sign, a sign is something that points beyond itself to a greater reality. You see a sign that says I-95. The sign is not I-95. The sign is pointing you to I-95. Amen? So tongues is a sign. Amen? And what it is intended to do is point beyond the actual manifestation of tongues to the truth that it represents. And what does it represent to the unbeliever? There is a communication of God taking place from which I am cut off. And we are cut off from God because of our sin. But that fact that there's something happening here from which I am cut off then begins to draw their attention to say, how can I have this communication? How can I connect with God? How can I know him? You know, Jesus listed tongues, healing the sick, and casting out demons as signs that would follow them who believe to confirm his word as we go to reach unbelievers. Did you hear that? Tongues, healing, and casting out demons are intended to be signs to the world, to unbelievers, that confirm that his word is true and that Jesus is who he said he is so that it will be proof positive to them to come to faith in him. It was these supernatural signs that convinced the crowd on the day of Pentecost that what Peter was preaching about Jesus was true, and it caused them to be convicted and cry out, what must we do to be saved? Nowadays, we want people to ask us, what must we do to be saved? But we've never given them a reason to say, what does this mean? Something supernatural is taking place here. Something that I'm cut off from, and I want to be a part of it. We've never given them that opportunity to, to see and witness and experience the supernatural power of God to captivate their attention and confirm the truth of God's word. We need the supernatural power of God. We need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit also brings, the baptism of the Holy Spirit brings certainty in the word. It, it confirms our faith in Jesus, brings a certainty to our faith in Jesus, and it confirms our testimony to the world. But there's something more. The baptism of the Holy Spirit brings discomfort to the crowds. It brings discomfort to the crowds. When the Spirit of God is moving, people cannot remain unmoved. If a church is dead and lifeless, then people can come and go week after week. They'll, they'll never feel convicted of their sins. They will be comfortable just to stay the way that they are. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is conviction. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, change begins to take place. You cannot be contented to stay where you are. Uh, there's a, a lady in our church that um, she has a best friend in the area, and the best friend sometimes visits. If I mentioned the name of this church, you would know it because it's not too far from here. It's a large, seeker-sensitive kind of come as you are, stay as you are. Everybody's fine just the way you are. Everybody's going to go to heaven no matter how you live. It's that kind of church. So they have thousands on the weekend. But um, her friend was inviting her because her friend came here. Her friend got saved. Her friend got, you know, Change, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. A lot of things she used to do, she doesn't do anymore. God just began to work in her life. So she started inviting her friend, come, you need to come to church with me. And her friend said this to her. And she said, no, I know what kind of church that is. She said, if I go there, I'm going to have to change the way I'm living. She didn't understand it's the Holy Spirit that changes us. Amen. She said, but I'm going to have to change the way I'm living. So I'd rather stay where I am so I can continue living as I am. And that's the way a lot of people think. Even though the way they're living is leading them to destruction. But they would rather just stay where they are. But where the Holy Spirit, I don't want to go to a church where there's no Holy Spirit. I don't want to go where there's no presence of God, where there's no conviction, where there's no manifestation of Christ. Now I want you to notice something. Everyone in the crowd, a crowd of thousands, everybody had a response that day. When the spirit is moving, you cannot remain neutral. Some were amazed and wanted to know more. Others mocked and they hardened their heart and said, these people are just drunk and acting crazy. In a spirit-filled church, people cannot sit unmoved and unchanged because the presence and power of God will always call for a response. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. And this is what will happen in a spirit-filled church. The Holy Spirit will comfort the uncomfortable and he will make the comfortable uncomfortable. He will comfort the uncomfortable and make the comfortable uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit will make sinners uncomfortable because they're, comfor they're comfortable the way they're living, right? But they get in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit is going to make them uncomfortable with their sin. The Holy Spirit is going to convict them, make them feel the weight of their guilt. The Holy Spirit is going to cause them to see their need for Jesus as a Savior. And the Holy Spirit is going to draw them to repentance. And as they repent, they will find comfort in the wonderful grace of God and in the peace of knowing that their sins are forgiven and the joy of knowing that they are saved. Amen? But those who are comfortable... Those who do not want to change, those who do not want to repent, the Holy Spirit will make them so uncomfortable that after a while, they won't want to go 
to that spirit-filled place anymore. Now, we don't want that to happen, but it's going to be the natural progression of what will happen. The Holy Spirit will make religious folk uncomfortable. The religious are those that want to keep their religion disengaged from their day-to-day life. I have this one little section over here where I go to church on Sunday, but don't let that affect what I do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or any other time of the week. I'm just going to go through the motions. I'm going to fulfill my God duty, and then I'm going to go back to my life. They just want to go to church and leave the same as they came. Now, folks, if you drove your car through a car wash and it came out just as dirty as it went in, would you go back to that car wash? No. Folks, we come to church dirty just as we are. But when we get in God's presence, folks, he's going to clean us up. He's going to change us. He's going to wash us. Amen. But there's folks, they just want to come to church and leave the same as they came. They don't want to be convicted by the word. Uh, They don't want to be challenged to commit themselves any deeper to God. They may be willing to take Jesus as Savior, but they don't want to have to deal with him as Lord. And that's why the moving of the Spirit makes them uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit will also make the comfortable Christian uncomfortable. Pentecost will make even the saintliest of saints uncomfortable because the Spirit will move us beyond where we are to cause us to hunger for more of God. God is not a God that's about stay where you are. God is not a stagnant God. He's a God that's always on the move. He's a God that's always doing something new. He said, behold, I do a new thing. Amen. And folks, if we are comfortable staying where we are, we're not going to keep up with the new thing God is doing. So even as Christians who love the Lord, the Holy Spirit needs to make us uncomfortable with where we are. And the Holy Spirit will convict us as Christians as well of even the slightest thing that is not pleasing to God in our life because he wants us to be nearer to God. He wants us to be filled with more of his power. So when, when we are living that life in the presence of God, the moment we even attempt to make a step out of the will of God, the Holy Spirit is gonna come and convict us. We start thinking a thought that is out of the will of God and the Holy Spirit's gonna say, uh-uh, see? And that's the kind of sensitivity that we want to the conviction of the Holy Spirit because you don't want to wait till you're all the way down the road to destruction before suddenly the Holy Spirit says, hey, you're in trouble here because you're one step out of hell. No. As a Christian, you want the moment you even begin to, to have the slightest inkling of getting out of God's will. You want the Holy Spirit to convict you. So the Holy Spirit will make the comfortable Christian. And I'm talking about people who love God, who want to serve God. But he'll make even us uncomfortable with where we are and with even the slightest thing in our life that's not pleasing to God. And that's a good thing because it keeps us on the right path and it keeps us close to God. My constant prayer for this church and for you is that the Spirit of God would be so strong in this place 
that none of us would be able to leave here the same as we came. In fact, you'll often hear me pray that even over the service. I pray often for the unsaved who walk through these doors that they would be under such conviction that they would not be able to sit in their seats unmoved that they would be so uncomfortable that they would either be made to respond uh, uh, in faith and repentance to the salvation call or they would be so uncomfortable with their sin that they cannot keep coming week after week and stay the way they are. I pray that he would stir the self-righteous and make them so uncomfortable that they can't stand themselves just going through the outward motions. Amen. And I pray that God would set ablaze the righteous, that he would set ablaze the Christian with a holy consecration, that we would become all that he desires the church to be, a holy people, a pure people, a people empowered by his presence, a people passionate for his kingdom, and a people fulfilling his purpose in the world. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. The Holy Spirit is available to all who believe. The Holy Spirit has already been given, and Jesus now invites you to experience the living reality of his word by experiencing Pentecost in your soul. The most marvelous blessing you can ever receive This side of heaven, next to salvation, is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So will you enter in? Will you cry out? Will you ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit? You might say, Pastor, I've prayed in the past. That's okay, come and pray again. You might say, well, I came to the altar last week. Come and pray again. You know what Jesus told them? He said, go and wait in Jerusalem until. So he's not giving us permission to give up because we asked last week or last year. He said, pray until. And when you're praying, something is always taking place in your life. There may be things that he needs to deal with us in us to make us ready to receive his Holy Spirit. Amen. So keep coming. They went to the upper room and they obeyed Jesus to pray until. And they were there for 10 days unceasing. If they had quit after the first or second day, we might have a very different story today. But they kept praying and praying. They didn't know when until was. But they kept praying and praying until God poured out his spirit. So I want to encourage you, don't give up. up. We had one gentleman in this church, that, um, and he shared this publicly. He's gone to be with the Lord now, but I'll share it publicly as well. He was seeking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for 23 years. Every year when we did our Pentecost series, he would come to the altar. And people would pray with, and there's some people you pray with them until you're just, just wore out. You know, and you're down there and you're praying with them and you're believing, you know, and it wouldn't happen. And then in the 23rd year, he came, and while he was at this altar, God dealt with him about unforgiveness that he had towards somebody way back from his past. He went, he asked forgiveness of that individual, made the situation right, and the following Sunday, he came back to this altar, and like that, he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. So what am I saying? I'm saying whenever we're praying, something's happening inside. God is doing something in us. It's never wasted time. 
So don't think because you came and prayed and didn't receive, it was a wasted time. No, God is working in you. And there may be stuff he needs to deal with in us so that we can receive the baptism. But keep coming, keep praying, pray at home as well, and seek for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And if you're not receiving it, ask God to show you anything in your life that may need to be changed so that you can receive. There was a lady that um, she had been seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost for five years. And I still remember she was kneeling right down there, face down like this, and I went to pray for her. And the Holy Spirit quickened to me through a word of knowledge that she had unforgiveness over someone who had sexually abused her. And as I said that, she started to weep uncontrollably. And after she gained her composure, she then shared with me that her father and her uncle had sexually abused her. And the Lord was telling her she needed to forgive them. And, and, and she said, I, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can do that. And I said, you pray, release it to God, ask God to help you. That week, she went and she spoke to her father. She spoke to her uncle. And she said, you did this to me, but I want you to know I've released it to God. Amen. They got mad at her. They told her off. They told her she was making stuff up. But you know what? That didn't matter because she had released it. And the next Sunday, she came right down there, and she got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Folks, you never know what it is in our life that may be holding us back. But whatever it is, God is able to make it known to us so that we can get it right, so that we can have all that he desires for us to have. Amen? So don't give up. Keep seeking and ask God to show you anything that may be hindering. But this promise is to every believer. It is to those who have given their lives to Christ in faith. So the first step, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Holy Spirit is to repent of your sins and place your faith in Christ. Why? Because we have all sinned and sin separated us from God, but Jesus came and he offered his sinless life as a sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins. So now when we place our faith in him as our savior and repent of our sins, and the word repent means to turn away from, it means we make a U-turn because we recognize that we've been living life the wrong way. We've been living life without regard to God and we've been headed towards destruction and we don't want to live that way anymore so we turn around and we say God forgive me I turn to you in faith I want to live for you that's what repentance is all about and once we place our faith in Christ and repent of our sins Jesus says we're born again and we are brought into right relationship with God as his sons and daughters and when that happens then we can receive all of the promises that God has given us in his word and that includes the baptism in the Holy Spirit so I'd like to ask you to bow your heads with me and I want to talk to you for a moment and ask you if you have never uh, repented of your sins and given your faith, placed your faith in Christ as your Savior, or maybe you did so years ago and you have drifted away and you know you're not living right, but you would say, pray for me, Pastor, because I want to get right with God. I want my sins to be forgiven and I want to be in right relationship with him. If that's your heart's desire, would you just slip your hand up and you can put it right back down. You're just saying, pray for me, Pastor. I want my sins to be forgiven. Thank you for that hand. Is there someone else? I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to be right with God. Thank you for another hand. Is there someone else? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, those that have your hands up, you can go ahead and put them down, and I'm just going to ask you to, to say a simple prayer with me. You online as well, if you want to receive Christ, say this simple prayer with me. It's not my words, but it is your heart sincerely asking God to do this in your life. Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life 
and I turn to you in faith. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, and I invite you to come live inside of me. Help me from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord, you that prayed that. We congratulate you on making the best decision of your life, amen? And we welcome you to the family of God. We wanna encourage you right now, if you just prayed that prayer, if you would text, I prayed, uh, to the number on the screen, and if you would uh, also uh, text your email address because we would like to send you free of charge a little e-booklet that will help you understand the prayer that you just prayed and the next steps to take to continue growing in your relationship with the Lord because the prayer you just prayed is a beginning not an ending. It's the beginning of a lifelong relationship with God, and we want to help you get off on a good start so that you know the steps to take to keep growing in your faith with the Lord. So if you would just text I prayed and your email address to the number on the screen so that we can send this little booklet to you free of charge. But in the meantime, we're going to ask you to do uh, three things. Uh, first, uh, talk to God every day. God is your heavenly father. He loves you. He wants to converse with you every single day. So talk to him every day. That's what we call prayer. Start by thanking him for the good things in your life because every good thing comes from him. Then talk to him about whatever problems, needs, difficulties, or decisions you're making and ask his help. Secondly, let God talk to you every day. You say, how does he talk to his pastor? The number one way that God talks to us is through the Bible. That's his word, his message to us. If you don't have a, a printed Bible, you can download the YouVersion app, that's Y-O-U version app, on your phone or tablet for free. There's never a charge to read the Bible there, and I encourage you to start reading in 1 John. And before you read, just ask God, help me to understand what I'm reading and how to apply it to my life. And then just read a few verses, four or five verses, and reflect on what it's saying and what it means for your life. Do that every day. You'll begin to hear God talking to you. And then thirdly, find a local Assembly of God church. If you're here in South Florida, of course, we invite you to be a part of our church family. We have a wonderful church family that will pray for you, encourage you, and, and, and walk alongside of you to help you in your journey. If you're outside of the South Florida area, find an Assembly of God church near to you and put down roots. Don't just attend, but begin to get involved and build relationships because it is through those relationships that we really begin to thrive and grow in the Lord. If we all do those three things, we're going to have a vibrant and growing relationship with the Lord. So I encourage you to do that. Once again, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. For all of those who are already believers, I want to give us another invitation to be filled or refilled. You know, some, we need to be refilled often. In fact, Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, continue being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because life just takes it out of you. And we need to come back regularly I know I need to be refilled regularly. So if you need to be filled or refilled with the Holy Spirit, in just a moment, I'm going to open these altars. But particularly for those that are seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, I want to give you a little bit of encouragement how to go about it. First, believe. Believe that this promise is for you. God said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. That includes you. So believe that this promise is for you. Then ask in faith. Jesus said, the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So ask, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And then begin to worship Jesus. Love Jesus right out loud. Why do I say right out loud? Because when the Holy Spirit comes on you, the first sign is that you're going to speak in another language. But if your mouth is closed, 
the Holy Spirit is not going to pry your jaw open and force you to speak in another language. But if you're already speaking out, it's going to be so easy for the Holy Spirit to just take complete control of your tongue and begin first, maybe just syllables. Maybe you just feel these syllables coming out. But as you yield to that, then the Holy Spirit is going to uh, begin to flow through you. Let me just illustrate it this way. If a car is stationary, no matter how much you turn that wheel, the car is not going to turn. But if a car is in motion, you just touch that wheel and it turns. Am I right? If your mouth is already in motion, praising Jesus, amen? It's just going to take a touch of the Holy Spirit to turn that tongue to another language, amen? So I want to encourage you this morning. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how many of you want to be filled or refilled with the Holy Spirit? Just raise your hand up. Praise God. Wonderful. Hands going up all over. Would you stand to your feet and would you make your way to this altar? We're going to just spend some time in Jesus' presence. Time in his presence is never wasted. Amen. As you come to this altar, just lift your hands to heaven. And just ask him to fill you or refill you with the Holy Spirit. And then begin to praise him right out loud. And if we have any of our prayer ministers or altar workers that you can, or prayer warriors, that you can come and pray with these that are at the altar, I encourage you to do so. Just lift up your voice, church. You that are at this altar, just lift up your voice. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift? To help support our ministry, you can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.